everyone, welcome to the very first episode of the Morning Show After Show, or as we like to call it, the Morning After. <laughs> My name is Kira Lynn, and I'm an entertainment journalist with the Hollywood Critics Association. And today I'm joined by my friends and fellow Hollywood Critics Association members. To my left, I have. Hi, I am Morgan Rojas. Kira, it is so nice to be with you this morning, and it's so nice to be with you. I'm so excited to talk about the morning show. And to my right, we have this handsome fella. I'm Kevin Taft. I'm a film and theater critic. Except for today, we're going to be talking about TV because we are talking about the morning show. Just so you know, we are not going to spoil anything. We're just going to talk about episode one today. Oh my gosh, and episode one was so fierce. But before we go into that, let's talk about all the reasons why we love this show. How about you, Morgan? Why don't you start off? Okay, well, I don't know if you know this or if I've told you before, but I actually studied broadcast journalism in college. And so watching a show that centered around broadcast journalism and the newsroom, it was so kind of brought me back to that time and I loved it. I was also a little bit on edge the entire time watching this first <laughs> episode because it's so high stakes, so anxiety inducing. But I think my favorite, why I fell in love with it is just the cast. Like this cast is incredible. Every single person, it, they mesh so well together. They play off each other so well. The stakes are so high. And I can't wait to see, yeah, what happens throughout the rest of the season. But for now, I'm, I'm so, so hooked. I mean, I actually kind of felt the same way because after every episode, I was literally chomping at the bit. I mean, I know <laughs> I kind of like, I, I could just go to next episode, and which I kind of did. I actually ended up binge watching the entire first season. You know, we leave with that last shot, and I will do, ha I have to give it to them, that last shot with Steve Carell sitting there with them pulling it out pulling the camera angle out, I was just like, ooh, how are they going to top the next season? <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny that now that you mentioned that was the opening of this season, the first shot is this gliding, a drone shot, I assume, over New York. And it's kind of funny and maybe a callback to the, the very end of season one with you know that one kind of pull back. Pull back oh, yeah. mm -hmm. And then we're going back into it. And it's so smooth and so glidey that you know, okay, this is too slick. Like what is going on behind the surface? And you have Dean Martin playing underneath. You're like, okay. But you also have empty streets. Yes. And nobody's around and you know like, uh-oh. Yeah, this is New York. They're, Where they're, is everyone? They're gonna be going into some stuff that we all can relate to. I mean, how about you? I did the same thing. I've been to watch it in like one day. Um, it took me a while to actually watch it. Um, I don't know why I kind of like slept on it for a while. It was the after effect. It was, yes. Ah, yes. Um, but I, <laughs> I like, I think I agree with Morgan. I love the characters. Um, Bradley says the things that I always want to say and I'm always very curious what she's going to say. Mm -hmm. And I always know she's going to nail it too. And then, so I get very excited when like, uh oh, here she comes. She's going to do it, she's going to do it. So it's just that sort of excitement. You know, I've always loved movies like Broadcast News and mm. you know, I did a little bit of broadcast journalism in college as well. So it's kind of just this genre that I love and they really nail it. Well, as an entertainment journalist myself, I've never actually worked in a newsroom. So it kind of, it kind of had me some, give me something to kind of aspire to, you know? And I'll agree with you right there in regards to Bradley, she's one of my favorite characters and it's kind of like she always does kind of say the things that I would love to say or basically, you know, I would love to be able to think that quick on my feet. Mm. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? She For drops sure. truth bombs and you're like, yes. Yeah. Like exactly, I know this is scripted so clearly like <laughs> it is perfect, but yes, like you are spot on. <laughs> yep. 
You know, and yeah, it's really nice to see Jennifer Aniston in a role like Alex because, you know, we're all used to seeing her as Rachel on Friends, but Alex isn't necessarily a very nice person. Yes, and and it's really nice to see her embody this kind of narcissist that literally will step on anyone and everyone to be able to climb her way to the top. But how is that going to go for season two? Hmm. Mm. I know. Things are changing over there. So one of my favorite characters that I feel didn't really get as much screen time as I personally like. I don't know what you guys think, but I really enjoyed Mia Jordan and what her yes. arc was in regards to Mitch. And it turns out that today we have a guest and it happens to be Karen Pittman Yay. from The Morning Show. Oh my goodness. Karen, it is so, we are so happy to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Kira, Kevin, and Morgan. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Karen, I know we do not have you for a whole lot of time, and there are so many questions that all of us want to ask, and I believe that Kevin is going to kick us off first. Yes. Uh, hi, Karen. So at the end of season one, we see a very different Mia than we see at the beginning of season two. Can you tell us how your character has evolved? Well, since season one, Mia Jordan is promoted to executive producer of the morning show. So when we start season two, uh, we find her in the midst of trying to resurrect the morning show as it has fallen down in the ratings since Alex Levy's departure. Um, Bradley Jackson and Eric Nomani, who is played by Hassan uh, Minhaj, has now taken over the show. Um, but we are struggling and grappling with um, how to keep the show afloat. So what you see Mia doing in episode one is sort of finding her footing. Uh, one of the things I felt like was really important from the very start is to show Mia as a different kind of an executive producer than Chip. So we see her really taking charge, sort of, you know, sliding into the role of executive producer, very capable, but also a little bit nervous. So. Um, very excited uh, to start the season with, uh, with that character arc. Now, Karen, I really enjoyed your performance in episode seven where you basically take control of the newsroom and uh, basically expose you know, the affair that you had with Mitch. And you know, your monologue in that was just, it was electric. And I would love to know what the fans' reactions were to your character after that episode aired. Well, so many of the uh, members of the audience, the morning show were really sympathetic and, um, you know, emotional. They were moved by what Mia said and um, having watched her go through six episodes of, you know, grappling and trying to figure out how to manage everything that was going on. They really felt for her, but there were some audience members and I thought these were the most in intriguing to me who felt like, oh, come on, get over it. What's, what's, what's the big deal? I mean, you, you, we're in a consensual relationship. And I thought that was really telling about how we perceive women who are involved with men in the workplace, what that uh, looks like for them and um, their sort of sense of who Mitch Kessler was and who Mia Jordan was in the reflection of their, of their workplace romance. And so um, it, was, it was an interesting experience watching all those, those reactions come in. But for the most part, everyone was really moved and touched by, by Mia. So I wanted to ask, what was it like working with director Mimi Leader? I mean, she's such a strong, confident woman. So are you, so is your character. Did you pick up any tips from her? Did she teach you anything about this character? What was it like working with her? Um, 
Working with Mimi my first season was very intimidating. I knew a lot about her. She's obviously a legend in television and in American cinema. And so I, you know, was probably pretty nervous around her, more nervous around Mimi than anybody else. Um, but come season two, one of my goals as an actor was just to be more vulnerable, to hand my character off to the extraordinary cast that I was working with and, and find out what I discovered. And one of the things that I um, saw in Mimi Leader, which really helped me as an artist was how prepared she is. But in the moment of her process, if she sees something that inspires her, she'll make a right turn into that, um, into that process. And she just navigates um, handling different uh, ideas and stories as they come to her as her direct as a director and it's it's really inspiring to see her uh, move in a minute to something different or move in a second to a different idea based upon her imagination and her inspiration so she's quite a woman and I feel very lucky to be working with her speaking of Mia being a strong confident woman and I'm sure there are so many so many different aspects to this character that you enjoy. I would love to hear, you know, what about Mia actually touches your heart? You know, I try uh, really hard not to, as a lot of people would already know, try not to be too, uh, find areas of myself where I am too close to my character. I, I, I try to keep her, uh, in my imagination and hand myself over to the writers and producers of the show and, and create that character in collaboration with them. Um, I think what I, I really found out in season two is how closely aligned this character um, is with the imagination of my showrunner. It's always great to have a character that your writer really likes a lot and loves. And um, during uh, the season's filming, I would call Carrie Aaron almost every Sunday. We talk about the character and what she was doing. So um, there's not as much uh, connected to me in Mia Jordan, but through Carrie Aaron, our showrunner, I, I found a deep appreciation and affection for Mia Jordan. So the backdrop of the first episode of the season takes place on New Year's Eve. And I was curious, does Mia have any New Year's resolutions that she's keeping a secret? And can you share with us what they are? Such a good question. <laughs> I think Mia's New Year's resolution is to not be found out to be incapable of doing her job. I think anybody who comes into a job they've been dying to have for most of their career, when they finally achieve that um, position, I think that they're worried or concerned that they might end up, you know, being an imposter. And so I think Mia is really focused on uh, showing that she is capable of doing the job and, and not falling down on it. And of course, as we see over season two, there has to be a dramatic arc. There has to be a plot twist going on. And, and so that will certainly happen. But I think her New Year's resolution is to stay on top of the morning show and make it a success. Karen, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. We cannot wait to see what adventures Mia goes on in the rest of the season. Well, I can't wait either. And thanks so much for having me, Kira, Kevin, and Morgan. We'll see you next week for episode two. Hey, Mia, you still need to approve the urine clip package for tonight. Right. Uh, Donnie, take it. Where are we going? Joel's in the bullpen. And remember, you have a one o'clock 
and you have a two o'clock. What's my two o'clock? Uh, your favorite head of news. Hey, Jill. Oh, hey, Mia, can you weigh in on stories for tomorrow? I, I, It'll I, only take a second. Uh, pick two. Pakistan issues health ID cards to trans people to reduce discrimination. China investigates respiratory illness outbreaks, sickening 27. And 80 people in the Bahamas tested positive for tuberculosis in storm shelters after the hurricane. Pakistan, Bahamas. Thank you. Walk with me. Rena, are you good? Yeah, I'm just walking. For two. Joel, can you what you got for the year-end review? Quick. Okay, uh, Mueller report. Uh, perfect Ukraine call. Uh, impeachment. Stick to the Trump highlights so the thing is going to be four hours. Non-Trump. Uh, college admission scandal, uh, Brexit, uh, Notre Dame burned down, Australia burned down, the Amazon... Stop! Let's give the people some hope. Let's give me some hope. Did anything good happen? Uh, the U.S. won the Women's World Cup. Jesus, 2019 sucks! <laughs> when she said that, I mean, how did you guys all feel when you heard her oh. say, 2019, it sucks? I was yeah. like, yeah, huh? Audible <laughs> laughter. I'm like, oh, Mia, you have no idea what's in store for you. <laughs> there were so many things in that clip. Mia is such a boss, and it's obvious that she's taken a new role yep. at the show. She's taken over for Chip. Yeah. Poor Chip's gone. But, I, I mean, it's, it's okay that he's gone, I think. You know, he seems to be content in his new position. Oh, yeah. But it's nice to see Mia taking charge, kind of being kind of a ball buster. But it's interesting because she, and, and this happens throughout the episode, is they keep on missing the COVID clues. And here she's offered, <laughs> there's something happening in China. And she's like, no. And then she's like, 2019 sucked. I'm like, well, uh, Kev, you know wait. what? You weren't the only one that's missed the COVID clues <laughs> in 2019. So, you know, Mia's not the only one. What about you, yeah. Morgan? I, well, what, yeah, what's funny, um, in the end of the first episode, there's a line that Corey says that is kind of COVID-related in a way. It's very subtle, but it's at, as the ball's dropping in Times Square. And he says something like, ah, oh, things are looking up. <laughs> and it just hits 2020. And we're like, ooh, Corey, yeah. you don't know what's in store for you either. Like, it's, it's these little breadcrumbs of, you know, this disaster is going to happen and it's going to hit hard. And especially in a newsroom, like, that's, that's intense. And mm -hmm. it's funny. I mean, the way that this show was written is really darkly hilarious. Darkly funny. Darkly yeah. funny. And the, the jokes just write themselves. The characters are so great in their delivery of it because, yeah, they clearly have no idea what's going on. Um, yeah, it, it's great. And they even had, like, I think it was, um, it was Corey, I believe, was outside New Year's Eve, and he's talking on the phone, and then somebody just, like, pauses behind him and goes, <coughs> and walks away, and it was like, oh, God. <laughs> it's, I think at this point, I'm so used to seeing so many people on with masks that even watching television shows, it's a little odd for me to, you know, watch shows and basic, basically being like, Oh my gosh, they're not wearing masks, but hopefully I think maybe this is sort of a precursor right. to what we're gonna see in upcoming episodes. Yep. Makes yeah. me a little nervous that they could off somebody too, because you know, Ooh. that's an interesting storyline. Or to almost off somebody maybe. But, oh well. You know, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Yeah. You I know, didn't think about that. That's actually a really smart <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> well, they also introduced some new characters, and I do have to say, I love seeing brown and yellow people. <laughs> I do, I do. I mean, I, to see Hassan as Eric was refreshing because I am such a fan of his. I love yeah. him. And I really hope that we see more of him. I know that uh, he has taken that position with the, the, the nightly news, but I'm kind of, you know, rooting that, you know, he kind of makes his way back to the morning show because, you know, that 
opening sequence with that song and dance, and you kind of hear Reese finally, you know, giving us a little bit of, of a melody, melody, and you know, yeah. song and dance. I really, really enjoyed watching their chemistry together. Yeah, it's interesting. I just thought of this. Is you know, he he kind of says to Alex at the end. Corey says you know, your own nightly show or whatever. So I could see them giving it to her and pairing it her with him and there's no chemistry. Mm. And then they either have to throw him back or throw her back. But I, I do hope that they continue to use him and utilize him in some way. Yeah, I, I feel like he also lets Bradley kind of relax a little bit and be a little goofy and silly because she's like doing a song and dance number right. and like which was so she weird. would have never done that in the beginning of season one yeah. she was just this like tough woman who wasn't going to take any crap and now she's like literally dancing show tunes and it's, it's yeah it's nice to see and you kind of hope that she's kind of coming into her own you know these last eight months that mm -hmm. you know she's not been with alex but it's obvious that she is still sort of a fish out of water, yeah. you know, and she's, yeah. she's going to Corey, you know, asking him, you know, hey, you know, I hear that there's this new, you know, position open at the Nightly News, you know, you kind of think of me for, you know, this position. And then we all know what ends up happening. He ends up having that lovely conversation with Alex, Corey does. Which is one of my favorite parts of the, of the episode. Um, I just loved, I, I liked, Alex's kind of strength in that. She just kept on saying like, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. But I also loved his, you know, we've talked about this. The way he stands is a little odd and he has a weird inflection to his voice, which I, I just find fascinating to watch. But, and he kind of keeps on doing that to her. Every time she's like, no, he's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll call you again tomorrow. Okay, well, just think about it. She's like, no. It's, it's totally something different that we don't see from Alex you know, in that particular scene. But what I would love to be able to segue into is, you know, we have been taking questions from, you know, the audience members and we, you know, if you guys want to go ahead and submit a lovely question so we could either answer it here on the show or perhaps maybe a future guest, you know, we could have a couple of surprises. You can send them over to the shows at hollywoodcriticsassociation.com. And we did get a message, guys. Yeah. Let's no. read it. Look at this. <laughs> we have Jessica Galindo. She is from Orlando, Florida. Hope you're doing out. I hope you're doing well out there in Orlando, dear Jessica. She says, "The first season of the morning show was one of my favorite things on television in past years, and I loved the first episode." She uses three O's in love. She's serious. <laughs> she really liked. It. She says, "My question for you guys is, why do you think Alex accepts to come back?" Is it because of Corey's power of persuasion or is it that she can't stay away from the limelight? Uh, thank you so much. Looking forward to more after shows. Thanks, Jessica. What do you guys think? Hmm. I think. What do I, you think, Megan? I think she doesn't want to finish her manuscript. I think she. <laughs> That's a good point. I think she doesn't want to get into the whole Mitch territory. Ooh, yeah. I think because she was so resistant when she was talking to her publisher about not wanting to wade into that because she just didn't want to deal with it. She wanted to move past it and like reinvent herself. Part of me thinks she doesn't, she wants to maybe take the job so she doesn't have to finish the book. Ooh, maybe. I like it's that. It's interesting because, yeah. you know, that brings me to one of the, the, the scenes that I thought was really intriguing and I wasn't sure, quite sure I understood it. And so I kept on thinking about it. And it was when um, Alex goes to her friend's party and there's a bunch of authors there and book people, and she meets the psychic who 
you know, is, is on her book tour or whatever, and she's very famous, and she sells a lot of books, and she sits down with her, of course, played by Kathy Najimy. Um, she sits down with her, and she's getting everything wrong. Until the very end, she kind of grabs her hands, yep, and suddenly she gets, she hits something. And what I thought was so interesting is that it's almost like this woman was kind of a fraud until she wasn't. And with her book, she's kind of a fraud because she's not bringing up Mitch, which is the biggest thing of her last 15 years. She and Mitch are kind of one on one. So if she's not gonna talk about Mitch, her book is, is almost fraudulent in a way. Oh. So I feel like that woman, by doing that, she's like, oh crap, I need to tell the truth. And then to your point, she's probably like, mm, mm. I don't wanna do it, I want, let me distract myself. Kevin, I love that. <laughs> But also, I just want to point out that I had a really hard time recognizing Kathy and Jimmy because I swear this woman <laughs> does not age. I literally had to go to the ending credits and just confirm that that's who she was because this woman looks absolutely fantastic. I have no idea who she is, but I just thought that I would throw that out there. That's all. <laughs> she does. Timeless. She looks amazing. Um, <laughs> You know, the funny thing about Alex is, you know, I, I have a hard time. I've had a hard time ingesting this. She is such a narcissist, you know, and she's willing to backstab, you know, and uh, basically do anything to be able to keep that power position on this show. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, well, obviously it's not out of nowhere, but like, you know, the death of Hannah, all of a sudden, you know, her moral compass all of a sudden comes out, you know, and it's hard for me to believe, it's hard for me to, to really accept that, you know, she's really gonna take a backseat, which obviously, Corey dangles that carrot of the primetime show, um, and you kinda hear the, the light go on, and maybe she's gonna, I mean, maybe she's gonna, she's gonna bite? Well, I think she's I gonna think bite. So. <laughs> I think I, she's gonna yeah. bite. I mean, yeah. it's called the morning show. It's not called the nighttime show. <laughs> Well, there. Are, let's talk about some. So wait. Well, so give me some of the favorite ep uh, scenes and stuff that happened this this episode. Uh, well, honestly, I it's almost like the lack of a character. I was actually kind of happy not to see Claire because I know, right? <laughs> because I really, really love Yanko, and you could see in season one, he is in love with this girl, and. It just breaks my heart. It was breaking my heart to see how easily she was swayed by what Hannah had fed her. You know, Hannah obviously had her own traumas and was essentially just putting them on to Claire. And, you know, it was so easy for her to just, well, I won't say that it was so easy, but it was so quick for her to, you know, just break his heart. And, you know, he's willing to put everything on the line. So, I mean, if anything, it was, I was kind of happy, I was kind of happy not to see her, but, you know, hopefully either their love will be rekindled or, you know, he'll move on with someone else. Oh, mm. I know. I hope he wears waterproof eyeliner because I'm sure he's been doing a lot of crying over Claire. <laughs> oh, God. Those Nestor. are real. It's real. It's not fake. You know, How is that real? That blows my mind. Beautiful eyes. I, wow. I, every time he, Nestor, is on camera, I, I do have to say that I'm, like, looking. You're mesmerized by him. I am. <laughs> During Lost the whole time, I'm like. It's like, you know what? I, I have, I thoroughly have eyelash, eyeliner envy because, you know, these are totally glued on. One of our, <laughs> one of our Twitter followers actually said that he, he has the best eyes since Liz Taylor. Ooh, I'll take oh, it. Agreed. Right? Yeah. agreed. Well, gosh, I really hope that 
maybe perhaps we'll get Nestor on the show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're throwing that out into the universe. Yep. Yes. Well, one of um, my favorite moments and another heartthrob in my mind was um, Mark Duplass's character, Chip. I love Chip, and I was so happy to see that he has found love in a hopeless place in a small uh, newsroom, news studio, that is not where he was before. But he's still doing his job. He's still working. He's still, you know, loving, ah, loving, I don't know, liking his profession as a <laughs> news director. And he is in a new relationship. So that is exciting. And I, I, yeah, I can't wait to kind of see where he goes with that, his relationship, his job. Will he come back to the morning show? Right. He's not so stressed out as he always is. Yeah. You know no, what, though? I'm going to piggyback on that because, you know, he gives this declaration to Alex on the phone as to why he did what he did and it's so funny to actually see him in the scene where you know his he's he's well put together you know his shirt isn't crumpled he's not like running around frantically right. and the thing about chip is I, I know that he went to bat because his job is his life he loves the you know the moment to moment mm -hmm. the 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 high pressure those high pressure stakes and you can see that you know he's bored yeah he did seem a little bored yeah yeah. Yeah. I so. agree. I mean, they got to bring him back somehow. Oh, they will. Yeah, they have to. I mean, Some, something's going to fall apart. Wow. But then that would be Mia because she's got his job. That's true. Right. Unless he comes back to something else. Yeah. I wonder how that's going to pan out. But I, know, I guess we can wait and see. I know. I guess we can. So, you know, what was really interesting was, you know, Alex, when she's writing her manuscript, she references that Hans Christian Andersen book. And, you know, as she's talking about it, these are kids. You know, kids' fairy tales, it's kind of morbid. They're all gruesome. <laughs> all kids' fairy tales are really Let's gruesome. just cut off her feet and, like, you know, call it a day. But, you know, it's interesting, too. I was Another thing I was like, why are they talking about Hans Christian Andersen? Like, there has to be a reason for it. And I thought to myself, she's talking about this person who gets what they want mm -hmm. and is dancing and dancing and dancing, and then the feet are getting bloody, but they're still doing it, still doing it. But then they realize the only way to stop it is to cut their feet off and my thought was, is that it's, in one aspect, it's her career, but her career is so tied to Mitch. If you cut Mitch off, who is she? And I feel like she kind of, she, she left the show because she wasn't really connecting with Bradley. And then they're trying to make her talk about Mitch and she doesn't want to, but I think she's realizing without Mitch, who is she? Oh my gosh, you, are you a conspiracy theorist? Because that is like, I would have never thought of that. That is. That's actually a no, really but I could good write insight. For the show. <laughs> Pitching it right here. Apple TV, are you guys listening? Mm -hmm. We have got Kevin Taff right over here. How about you? Do you have any yeah. thoughts on that? Well, I do, and I'm just trying to picture myself like if I if I were Alex, knowing that my career, what I've worked so hard for, has been tied now to some other guy, and mm. his downfall equals my downfall. I would be pissed. Yeah. And like, I'm sure she's gonna come if she comes back to the morning show. Will she be bitter about that? Meaner than she already has. Well, yeah, like how? <laughs> but like maybe she will be. Will she try and prove herself that she can do it without him? It's, I'm curious to see what direction Alex goes in, if she's going to kind of play the victim or play, you know, the, the boss, the one who's just trying to forget it, leave it in the past, keep it behind her. But it must be tough being tied to someone that intensely where you can't, kind of be seen in your own light and you're, you're always tied to this 
know. Which is probably why she wants her own show, her own nighttime show. Yeah. Like the yeah. promise of that is like I can separate myself because I did morning with him. I can do nighttime by myself and be my own person. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still just kind of waiting to see the Alex that we all know and love from a season one because I am <laughs> still not convinced that, you know, she's really turned over a new leaf. I just, I'm just not. But, you know, something that I do want to touch base on, because I actually said it earlier before, I'm really excited to see more brown and yellow people on season two because I personally felt that there was kind of a lack of representation. Agreed. I mean, obviously, we had Mindy Kaling, Mindy Kaling, and, you know, I love seeing her. She's And she's she's wretched in this show. I love that. <laughs> but then, you know, to see lovely, uh, it was it Stella Bach? Come in. Stella Bach is the, yeah, the is new character. The new character. She seems like she's a new producer played by Greta Lee. And I was really excited to see that. But I was kind of disappointed that here we have another Asian character kind of playing that, you know, cracking the whip sort of like, oh, you know, she's, she's you know, all or nothing or, you know, just so cutthroat. And, you know, I think that I think that's just sort of like a stereotypical sort of Asian trope that we've seen over and over again. I mean, so I'm kind of hoping, I know that they've already gotten all 10 episodes in the can, but I'm really hoping that we will see something more of Stella than like what I've will. seen in episode one. Yeah, I feel like we will. I did like her line about, you want another white woman anchor. And I, because I, I thought about the same thing the first season. I was like, so we have a show about two white women with a white man that they're accusing. And I was like, we, let's get more diverse or take the, the diverse characters that we have and like amp them up. Like Daniel. Yeah. We're talking about Daniel had like little pieces of him. But when we saw him in New Orleans and he looked miserable, I was like, I wonder if they're going to, he's going to take revenge on, on that or try to do something more with his career because he's fed up being the guy they stick at New Orleans. Well, you know, it's really funny because I was kind of thinking about this. And obviously, you know, Eric was brought in to co-host with, with mm -hmm. Bradley, but why didn't they promote Daniel? Right. Yeah, which actually is interesting because you reminded me that there's a line that Corey says that he loves to fit square pegs into round holes. Right. It's like, okay, that's, that means something. I'm gonna write this down. But you'd think that like, I guess Bradley fits that narrative because mm -hmm. she is kind of this loose cannon and, and isn't necessarily the easiest person to work with. But is she really a loose cannon? Because it seems like yeah. they've kind of molded her. Right. I mean, I yeah. literally had to do a double take when I saw Reese doing the song and dance because I was like, she's I thought blonde. it was a dream sequence. Yeah. <laughs> she's oh, blonde. I know. I know. And you know, she talks about, and I'm sorry to cut you off, yeah, but she yeah. talks about, you know, oh, you know, I, I, I did those TikTok dances. I, you know, I, and those are just right. totally things that season one Bradley would not would have, have done. never done. Yeah, she's playing right. the game. She's trying to get what she wants. And, you know, clearly if they're not going to promote her to give her the night show, she's going to, who knows how long she's going to have to keep doing literally the song and dance. And when she finds out Alex is being offered a night show, oh. she's not going to be happy. Oh, yes. But, you know, though, Bradley, you know, Bradley was kind of just plucked out of, you know, obscurity. And here she is getting that chance to, to shine and make it on national a national morning show. Um, and she's obviously not cutting it since they're proclaiming that ratings are down. And which right. is the whole reason why we're kind of in this whole carrot dangling Alex sort of scenario. Right.
curious as where that's going to go. Because mm, I also wonder why are the ratings down? Because it seemed like a fun morning show to me when I was watching it. But ratings were already going down because of Alex. So True. it's kind of like so why? It's really, it could be her fault. Ooh. <laughs> really, I mean, because people were like, I'm going to turn the channel to that other show that they kept on talking about that was stealing you know, yeah. their, their audience. And you're right, it might have already been happening, and it's not really Reese's fault or uh, Eric's fault. It could just be that network. Well, I'm sure that we will find out, and I swear it's kind of like, I want episode two. I want episode two now, and I have to wait till next week. Yep. You guys, we're out of time. No, Can you no. believe it? Already, wow. Well, that means we're closer to episode two. <laughs> True. Wrap it up. Let's go. <laughs> you guys, please don't forget, if you want to tweet at us, you can do so at HCA Critics on Twitter. If you want to submit a show question to have us answer here on the show, please do that at shows with an S at HollywoodCriticsAssociation.com. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, say hello. You guys can tweet at us individually. If you guys even want to see somebody special, you want to see someone special? Who does? Who's the special person you want to see? Reese. Oh, how about you? Mark Duplass. Oh, <laughs> you guys, thank you so much for joining us. We will see you next week. My name is Kira Lynn. I am Morgan Rojas. And I'm Kevin Taft. And you're watching The Morning Show After Show. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Congratulations. Well done. Oh. Oh. Oh.